Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Hey, it's Anna here. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you're new to the show, so glad you're here. I talk to entrepreneurs and other successful people about the role struggle has played in their success. And more and more, I'm talking to them about their books. This is an interview that's from my Apple TV show of the same name. Light Hustle. And uh, we talk about, we don't really talk that much about her book, but she does have a book called Emotional Grit. We get deep into her story and and, and you'll hear when you listen to this um, just how intense it is. And I hope you'll hear in my voice how surprised I was by that given how sunny and, you know, she's the kind of person you look at and you go, nothing bad's ever happened to her. You know what? You can never say that about anybody. Anyway, uh, you can pick up her book, Emotional Grit, and you keep listening to hear one of the craziest stories about overcoming adversity as a child and young woman and less young woman that I have ever heard. This is me chatting with the lovely and amazing Nita Bouchon. Welcome to Light Hustle, Grit Out of the Dark. I am your host, Anna David. I talk to the world's most successful entrepreneurs about how they take their darkest experiences, hustle them out of the dark, and then they share their light. So today's guest, what's what's pretty amazing is I actually did not know she'd had any dark experiences. You're about to meet her and see quite what a sunny personality she has. And then in doing research, I'm like, Oh my God, she's even a more perfect guest than I thought. I'm going to tell you about her. She's a former cosmetic dentist turned best-selling author, international speaker, social entrepreneur, advocate of emotional health, and leadership coach. She left her million-dollar dentistry practice to pursue a quest for self-discovery during which she overcame such issues as being orphaned at a young age, losing her mother, father, and brother, surviving an abusive marriage of domestic violence, and facing homelessness. Today, she helps entrepreneurs own their story, create their message in the form of books to chart their next chapter. She conducts global grit institute workshops and optimizes businesses to scale their message, their business, and their impact. Welcome, Dr. Nita Bouchon. Am I pronouncing the last name? Yeah, it's great. I I had some stress around that. (laughs) Thank you, Anna. It's great. It's great to be here. It's so good to have you. Grit out of the dark. And we did see it's all aligned. I didn't know you had grit in your title. No idea. You didn't know I had grit in my title. So we met. Well, there was some some controversy around this. I think we met in San Diego. Yeah. You you think we met in Arizona? And we met. Yeah, we met initially in Arizona. Look at this. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it was. Well, it's like two stars crossing in the night. Of course. We are the stars. And so, and then we were 
at we the same dinner, dinner party. Yeah. Yes. Which is awesome. And those types of dinners. And so, you know, I would look at you mm-hmm. and go, look at her. She looks 12. She's got a kid, <laughs> a successful marriage, and, you know, this huge business. Mm-hmm. This girl's never suffered a problem in her life. Some people just are born lucky. Mm-hmm. So I was totally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> How deeply can we get into the dark? We can go deep. Okay. We can go. We can go back. Okay. So tell me how, tell me your journey from birth, mm-hmm. not the whole thing, okay. to getting on this couch. Broad yeah. Strokes. Wow. Um, okay. So the broad strokes, uh, so born and raised in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, immigrant parents. Mm-hmm. My father was from India and my mom was from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted the American dream. You know, I was, uh, I was the eldest of, of two brothers. Um, so there's three of us. Okay. And, um, and for, for Filipino Indian immigrants, you know, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to hustle yep. it out because yep. they left their countries and they wanted to give us everything that they could. And so, um, that charted out a very, you know, educationally driven, success driven, achievement driven, um, upbringing yep. for my brothers and I, uh, but things kind of changed and I had to grow up really fast. So at 10 years old, I was the caretaker of my mom. And that's when my bouts of resilience and grit, um, kind of the work that I, I do now, it all began mm-hmm. at 10 years old when I'm seeing my mom, um, uh, have breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And so she battled this for about six years. So you can say that basically my childhood into adolescence, into teen years, um, and that battle really consumed her until, well, she passed when I was 16. So for those six years, it was in and out of hospitals. I would, you know, after school, it would be at the ICU. That's where I'm going to be at. You know, meet me there. Uh, doing our homework on her bedside. Uh, Friday nights, Saturday nights, we were just kind of there. And you were taking care of your brothers, too. I was taking care of my brothers. Um, my father, who's immigrant Indian father, strict. You know, he, there were so many... Uh, feelings he had to really uh, go through of, you know, not having his wife there. So the pride, the ego, um, there was a lot of that. So there's a lot of shame um, because a lot of times for for being Indian, you have your wife and she kind of helps you out and does a lot of those things. I was having to do all of those things. Right. So helping out in the kitchen, cooking, cleaning, um, I started working early. So I had my first job when I was 14, scooping up ice cream. Oh, mine was scooping yogurt. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Another this forearm will for, really forever strong. be yeah, yeah, larger yeah. than this one. I mean, no matter what I do now. Uh, and then a year after my mom passed, uh, we thought we were out of the dark. Yeah. Um, and my brother, who was 16 months younger than me, we went to separate high schools, born and raised in Chicago, right in the city. Uh, I went to Lane Tech. He went to Gordon Tech, which was really across the street from each other. And it was homecoming. I was a senior in high school. And I thought, you know, I'm going to finally leave because I had been so consumed with family stuff for pretty much, you know. Your whole childhood. Yeah, my my whole childhood. And um, then we get a call that my brother collapsed in front of the school and we were literally going to meet at this homecoming game. Um, and he didn't have his inhaler, he had asthma. Right. And so um, he had an asthma attack and foaming at the mouth, so it was very traumatic for the kids that were around the school. 
um, they couldn't revive him. And the crazier story is that it was on my youngest brother's 12th birthday. Mm -hmm. And it was a year, literally a year after my mom. Right, right. So that really took us into full shock, um, almost uh, paralyzing our family. And for my father, it was such a huge, like, devastation. Right. Because not only did he see his wife go through this madness, but then also now your son is just taken away and there's no explanation. Right. He was healthy. Right. He wasn't in sports or anything like that. He's just this kid who had an asthma attack. So that really was like, ugh. Okay. All right, universe. What do you got? Yeah. Yeah. So that really, um, like I said, my father then couldn't really work. And I had to then take up a lot of the responsibility for supporting the household. I mean, we were on food stamps for a while. We had family members that were helping us out. I mean, that was just, that was, that was a ton of grit and that was all of it. Like everyone came together and, uh, but you still had these expectations culturally that even though all of this has happened, you're still going to go to school, get straight A's, keep keep up with the Joneses, pretend like everything is okay. But which did contribute to the grit because even if there is some facade of pride, you still have no choice in the matter. No, you had no choice. A lot of families would have collapsed and would not come out with these survivor stories. That is true. That is true. And so because we had the upbringing of we had to be successful and achieve and almost in that way, now looking back and now helping other people kind of go through some of their own different processes and transitions in their lives, um, I can see that we, in that way, channeled whatever the good part (laughs) that was going on and channeled it into something good. And for us, it was academics for both my younger brother and I. Uh, but I had to I had to take care and raise my younger brother, and right. so then two years after that, um, you know, I, I, I didn't go away for college. I stayed in Chicago, stayed and went to school, Loyola University, which was like ten minutes from our home. Um, I so my father was going through a routine checkup. There's a whole story behind that. I'm not going to get into that today. Um, But he found out during a routine checkup that um, he had stage four lung cancer. Oh, my God. And literally, this is two years after. And we're still grieving. We're still healing. You're, you know, you're going through this process. And that's when I was just, you know, that's when I was just angry. Yeah. I'm, I'm angry with the world. I'm angry with... You know, you go into the full victim mindset of like, why me? Why this? Why all of these things? And um, we had been raised, we went to Catholic school because my mom was Filipino. We went to, we went to Hindu temple. My father was raised with all different kinds of faiths uh, because he was born and raised in the northern part of India. And we had all of this community from different religious backgrounds. So we were, we were pretty much really spiritual, but religious and, and, and accepting of all of these faiths. But I was just angry. Right. And so at that point, the doctor said, you know, he only has about seven months to live. And we were, again, in shock and disbelief. And you're like, oh, that feeling in your gut that like, when, when is this going to end? When is this going to stop? Because there was no control. Like, you wouldn't know. There's, mm-hmm. there's no way to know. He did smoke for 30 years. He had lung cancer. Um, and he died nine months um, after. 
And you were, what, a sophomore, junior in college? So, yeah, I was almost, uh, I was 19. I was going to be a junior in college at that time. Uh, I was already working at a dental office. I was working three jobs, actually, at that time. Uh, My father kind of went pretty quickly. The cancer really consumed him. And so it was uh, because I was... I had grown up with seeing my mom in and out of hospital settings. It was like, oh, not again. And to mm. see your father the last you know, few weeks in his deathbed with a tube down his throat, you're like, okay, I'm seeing both of my parents right. going through this. So at 19, I'm orphaned. I have this ambiguous relationship with my now son slash brother who I'm now taking you know, care of. Uh, and... Yeah, I mean, you. The only, the only thing I knew of at that point is, I'm going to take on a lot of the programming that I had, which was educational drive, success. We're going to get out of this, and we're going to keep moving forward. And that was that grit, and it be, it was such an essential part of life. Uh, so I went off to dental school, and then you built up a multi million dollar practice. Yeah, in Chicago. In Chicago, in the western suburbs of Chicago. How long did that take? So, um, I would like to say I'm a child prodigy, but I just look pretty young. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I think a lot of the pent up stuff that was bottled up inside of me was like, okay, I had like the ghosts of my parents, almost like this, mm, this underbelly and this undercurrent of. Yes, I want to. I want to prove to the world that we're not going to be pity parties. I mean, that was literally my mantra. Right. So, yeah, I excelled. That part was easy. Right. Schooling was easy. I was. I had to. I had to hustle when I yeah. was young. Right. I had to yeah. take care of my family. So, building a business. That part was easy. What was suffering was my personal relationships. Right. And you got into a not healthy first marriage. I did. Yeah, I, I, I was, my pattern was always overlapped relationships, overlapped until they were unhealthy, mm-hmm. until they were toxic, because mm-hmm. I was too afraid to let anybody go. Right, that makes sense. I'd focused on everyone else. I'd focused on happiness for me meant take care of everyone, because right. you're the good Asian girl, right. you're, you're, you keep the peace. You have this bright smile on your face. Let's it's keep really it going. White because of, <laughs> it's really know, white. It's really white. You know, <laughs> you wouldn't come to me if I had yellow teeth. Let's just be honest. True. <laughs> so, and yes, of course, humor plays a part with grit. And, yeah. you know, we, we have to laugh a little bit. Things were so serious in my life that it's like, okay, let's breathe. Things can't all be this, this way. But yeah, I got myself into uh, an amazing first marriage that would teach me about self-love, resilience, that would really help me connect all the pieces of my life together. Because the business side, that was that was easy. Like I said, right. I had to lose three people that were my immediate family members in a span of five years. So building a business, that was great. But then trying to leave an abusive relationship... Um, probably the toughest thing. How long were you married to? 16 months, but Mm -hmm. we were together for five years. Mm -hmm. Um, And you go through a lot of the motions of like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the one that needs all of the fixing because I'm broken and all of these things. And, um, and so it was the courage to finally say, and I remember this date so vividly, you know, December 31st, um, and, you know, it's New Year's Eve, and literally I'm thinking this is like the pinnacle of 
like life. I have this incredible home. I've built this amazing practice. Uh, I have this relationship. So I have this family right. in a way. But I knew that something was completely off in my heart. And I'd been feeling this way for months and months. And um, I had hid this from my younger brother. I had hid this from like the world. And I was so afraid that people would see that I was internally broken, that I was a fraud. Right. You know, a lot of leaders come up with like imposter syndrome and right. things like that. Oh, I felt like I was a fraud the entire way. First of all, I don't look like I'm my age. No. Nope. And n- none of those things. So I always felt like I needed to prove, prove that I, you know, didn't need to be um, felt bad for and all of those things. So it was, again, another chip on the shoulder to say, no, I can fix this person. I can fix this, this, this I can fix. Right. And I knew inside my heart there was that just disconnect. And for people who are watching or listening, you know, you may feel that you're like in a, in a pool of whatever situation that you're in in life right now. But that's where your intuition, that inner guide, whatever that is, the lump in the throat, the stomach, that's where it's like, okay, a big, huge shift is about to happen. Yes. Yeah. And it's about to change your world in so many shapes and forms. That's what I was so afraid of being alone with myself. So you left? Left completely. Mm -hmm. It was that night um, after looking in the mirror and sobbing and getting down to my knees and literally crying out to the universe, to my dead parents and family, just grieving, grieving so much of all of the things I think that I had bottled up for pretty much a decade um, to really then focus on me. And in those years to come, I mean... Uh, in those initial months, I was so embarrassed, ashamed, frightened for my safety, of course. Mm-hmm. I had to get a restraining order. I mean, you do all of those things that you do to protect yourself. Uh, but then at the end of the day, it was rebuilding me. So, yes, even even through that, my practice flourished. I devoted a ton about leadership you know, um, hired a bunch of different consultants so that I can actually have the skills to hire people so that I could finally focus on myself mm-hmm. instead of doing all of that, uh, which then grew my practice even more. It allowed me to step away. I then began to do different things like, hey, I'm a, I wasn't even 30 at the time. I have a lot of the capital. I wanted to be taken seriously. So what do you do? You invest in female-led startups, right? And you start a nonprofit, um, which is what I, I did. All, all of those things. I moved out to the Bay Area because I wanted to really understand what nonprofit management looked like. I became an angel investor. Um, I started mentoring, and this is how I started to get my footing into uh, business consulting and coaching because I started mentoring female startup founders in the Bay Area, in Silicon Valley. So that was just one breadcrumb to the next mm-hmm. of like, okay, letting go the past stories right, and starting to step into this new field or this new chapter of your life. And in many of those um, fields that I was stepping into, really discovering what is it about leaders? What is it about leadership? Why are people so successful? And that set me on this, you know, putting my science cap back on and setting me on this journey across 45 different countries. I was also discovering myself. Right. For the first time in my life, I'm finally like, yeah, doing me. Yeah. Uh, And that led me to this book, 
emotional grit. It led me to really understand, okay, what, how do people make decisions? And when I was polling people, when I was doing the research, every single time, no matter what they thought success looked like, it was resilience that came, came up, right? kept coming back up. How do you bounce back from adversities? How do you bounce back from failures? How do you bounce back from things and the crap and the shit that happens in your life? For me, I created the book, uh, which is an acronym around grit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so grit actually means, you know, to grow, reveal, innovate, and transform. Uh, And so because it is a journey, it's, it's all a journey. And here we are. Here we are today. And now the company, we have to get close to wrapping up, but I, what I, yeah. you train coaches as well. That's the main business? Yeah. So we, between my husband and I, my husband runs Evercoach, mm-hmm. uh, which is a division of Mind Valley, And that is where we do train coaches and um, we, we help them become better coaches. On the Global Grit Institute side, we have a couple of businesses. I now help leaders and professionals doctors, um, and wellness-based businesses get out their message mm-hmm. more. Really being able to understand their stories, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times doctors want to do more than just work inside of their cubicles or their clinics or their hospitals, their practices, um, but they're not necessarily business owners. And right. for me being able to kind of tie all of those fields together and say, let's play bigger, right. let's live bigger, uh, that's actually the title of my husband's book, like Live Big, uh, but then utilizing all of those pieces to, um, yeah, help them in whatever capacity they can because they've acknowledged the grit in their I life. I love it. I love it. They've gritted out of the dark. <laughs> they've gritted out of okay, the dark. Okay, so now we do the lightning round. You just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. What's your morning routine? Ooh, okay. Um, so it is... Uh, yoga for two minutes. So just stretching, breathing. I do this thing where I'm like deep breathing for uh, 30 times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I literally end with a headstand. I We have a rebounder or like one of those trampolines. Um, so I jump on that for 20 minutes to shake my body out. I know it's a very strange routine. It's so specific. It is. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, when you have a 10 month old, you're like, all right, what is it that you can do for self-care? Yeah. I can't believe you can do all of that with your oh, yeah. baby yeah. too, existing. Okay. <laughs> so then, okay. What is a book that's changed your life? Oh, well, my first initial book that led me into this whole uh, field was um, Philosopher's Notes by Brian Johnson. Okay. What's, what's one of your favorite quotes? Mm. Uh, I would have to say my own because it's the mantra that we now live by and it's, uh, and I wear it on my wrist. Where is it? Right here. Uh, it's just to serve love, serve love every day. What, um, have you had a mentor? Um, I have had a mentor. Yes. I've had several mentors. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to know their names? No, that's okay. 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 <laughs> you had them. Everyone yes. says yes to that. Um, what is your spiritual practice? Mm. Uh, so this was, I mean, from the days that even the dark days when I was like 10 years old, but gratitude, constant gratitude, even if shit was hitting the fan, it was always going back to what can I be grateful for? Absolutely. Um, how do you define dark? Mm. (sighs) Well, sometimes we need to have the dark in order to have the light shine through. How do you define light? Mm. 
every moment that brings us joy. And why do you share your story? Hmm. I think it gives people courage and really um, faith and hope knowing that their story and wherever they're coming from and whatever journey they're on, they're not the only one. Fantastic. You passed the lightning round with flying colors. <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. Oh, this is so fun, Anna. Okay. Thank I'm you for having me. so glad. Thank you so much for watching slash listening. This has been Light Hustle, Grid Out of the Dark. I'm your host, Anna David. I'll see you next time. <laughs>